NASA has always had big data. Some folks out there might think, oh, it's big data and it's very complex and these tools are really complex and, and it's hard. Try it, get involved, find the data. You might find that that's your niche, you really love it. Data becomes information, information becomes knowledge, and then knowledge becomes wisdom. And that's what you're shooting for. You're listening to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast featuring interviews and stories, tapping into project experiences in order to unravel lessons learned, identify best practices, and discover novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. NASA gathers millions of data points, also known as big data, from dozens of active missions. Every hour, hundreds of terabytes of data are collected. NASA's big data is used for everything from weather forecasting to searching for distant galaxies. Our guest today, John Sprague, has been with NASA for about 10 years and currently serves as the Deputy Chief Information Officer for Technology, Data, and Innovation at NASA headquarters. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. Let's start by defining the term. John, what's a good working definition of big data? It's funny, when you ask and when you look online, there's tons out there. But um, two Ames Research Center scientists coined the term back in the 90s. So I only knew that because I, not because I worked at NASA, but I just looked it up on the internet and I was like blown away. Two, two NASA folks created the term. Uh, they were out at Ames Research Center and it was too big for their computer they had at the time at their desk, which was a desktop. Um, it was just too big and they couldn't run it on that. So they said, oh, it's big data. And they put it into a paper and that was one of the first instances that it was found. But it can also be defined by uh, another person uh, whose name is Doug Laney from Gartner. Uh, he, he didn't work at Gartner at the time, but he coined the three Vs of, of big data. And that is uh, velo- volume, velocity, and variety. Oh, it's just too big, too much, right? Well, there's also, it can come at you too fast, faster than you can process it. That'd be the velocity side. And then variety, you're getting data you can get it on audio recordings now. You can get it on video. You can get it on all these different formats, you know, dot docs and dot this and dot this. And that makes it really hard to put all that together, scrunch it and get the, the, the information that you're looking for. And if you think about it, like two big spreadsheets, right? Gigantic spreadsheets. They both have their own formats, right? And they're, they're, this one has columns and rows and, that are different than this one. How do you put that together? That, that's kind of like the variety and that makes it very difficult to put together. But there's tools out there to use. And uh, if you ever go out there and, and look at something called the data, just type uh, big data landscape, there's a slide that'll pop up and it's mind blowing. There's so many different companies out there doing all the little parts and pieces. There's no one company that does it all. There's no one standard that does it all. So you just go and find what you need. And a lot of the NASA folks um, like to take the tools that are out there and then bring them in and use them with other tools and tweak them. So it's not, that tool just doesn't do it, they gotta make some changes to it, and then it does what they want it to do. What are some of the sources of big data in NASA? We have data that's all over the place. We have data that's out in uh, the DACs, they call it, Distributed Active Archive Centers, DAACs, and they're scattered all over the United States. And that's where all the science data goes. And each one has a specialty for whatever they hold. Uh, but, it's, but it's really cool that we got a, a repository. But that's just the science data. We have data all over the place. 
you got mission data in other areas, you got the you know data coming down the satellites and it might sit on a server somewhere for a little bit, but not long because NASA shares its data, a lot of data. And there's all kinds of sites out there you can go to. Uh, data.nasa.gov has a lot of, of, uh, of information. But when you get there, you're like, well, how do I access that data? How can I use it best? And then you might go to api.nasa.gov and use a uh, application programming interface to be able to access that data. So, uh, you know, since our charter back in 1958 came out and said NASA needed to share data with the world, we, we've been doing that. And uh, I think we're one of the bigger agencies that do a lot of that sharing of data out there. And how does big data fit into the NASA landscape? There's a lot of different places out there that have, da have big data. You know, you can think of Department of Energy, you can think of uh, Google and Amazon and all those others, right? Um, but NASA has always had big data. We've always had all this data coming from satellites and probes and, uh, you know, even uh, ground instruments. So we've just always had it. Um, and these NASA missions are, are made to g gather data. And it's, it's funny, I always say, and it's even on the bottom of my email, that data becomes information, information becomes knowledge, and then knowledge becomes wisdom. And that's what you're shooting for. The data's great, and, and you want the data, um, and then, then you, you want to turn it into something else and make decisions on it. That's, that's the big point. Matter of fact, uh, one of our, our agency data scientists, uh, Dr. Brian Thomas, when he first got here said, oh, I'm going to map the data, the NASA data universe. So map the NASA data universe. So he started looking at all the places we have our data and how it all fit together. And, uh, you know, after about a month or two, he, he had a big map up and it was amazing. We have data that's sitting in our owner servers, you know, our data, data farms, um, you know, those kind of data centers, places like that. We have people that have them on their own machines. We have them in contractors, databases, uh, and, and their servers and their centers. So, and then there's um, also uh, researchers from a lot of the uh, uh, universities. So our university partners, they have data, some of our data. Uh, so it's scattered all over the place. But, you know, that's what makes NASA unique, I think, and, and makes it work for us. How would you describe where NASA currently stands with big data? I describe the uh, current state as we've got data, we're doing very well with it, but we're also gearing up. And I say that because some of the new probes and the satellites that are, are going up right now are going to be giving us a lot more data. We have the DACs out there, and they're gearing up too. You know, should they stay where they're at and everything's great and just maybe make them bigger? Do you supplement it with cloud? Do you move it all to the cloud? I mean, there's all kinds of different things that could happen in the future. So that's kind of where we're at. We've, we've got a lot of data and there's way more coming. Some of the new tools out there uh, might be able to process more of the data out on the probe, out on the satellite. Um, so that way you're not bringing as much down. Although, you know, we love data and, you know, that data that you don't collect and you let go and you delete might be the one that gives you the nugget of truth that you were looking for the whole time. What kind of impact has big data had on NASA programs and projects? I think the development of all the tools that are out there um, have made it easier for us to be able to, to you know, collect the data to start with, but then to process it. And, you know, that's usually the hardest part. Uh, I saw a bunch of studies out there, and they're always saying that the, the data scientists, 
spend 60% of their time or 70% of their time just getting the data and wrangling it, putting it all together. Um, and that's a, that's a big problem, a very, uh, very painful that you're spending that much time just messing with the data, not actually getting the, the information that you want out of it. Do you have a couple of specific examples that you could share with us where big data has been used and where NASA has had success because of it? I've got a really good one that I, w- I want to share, and this one we call EVA, extravehicular activities. And that's when an astronaut is up on the space station or somewhere else, and they're moving around outside the, the spacecraft. Well, back in 2013, an astronaut went out on a mission, and he, he was walking around out there doing his thing, and all of a sudden he felt a little bit of uh, moisture on the back of his neck. And then he reported it. And then he felt it going up the top, towards the top of his head. He reported it, and they said, all right, get back in. So he started making his way back in, and as he got closer, the water started to cover his eyes, and it started to go all around, and all he had was where he was breathing, and it, was, it, it came that close to having water that he was breathing in. So what would you think would happen after that? They, they do an investigation, of course. Where did it come from? What's going on? Why? And, you know, maybe they, you know, in the past, they, they might have thought it was sweat or something like that. This was way too much water. So they, when they did the investigation, it took six contractors two weeks to pull all the data together because it was in file cabinets. It was in the margins in the, in the papers in the file cabinets. It was in the contractor's database. It was in the NASA database. It was all over the place. So right after that, and they were done with their investigation, they said, help. And they came to my, my experts and said, hey, can you help? And uh, one of our talented folks out at uh, Ames Research Center, uh, Sandeep Shitye, pulled a team together and said, we can help you. And, and he did it. And EVA, the extravehicular activities team that's based out of Johnson, liked it so much that they funded the whole thing. So none of it came out of my budget, which was a, you know, a great story for me. But he helped them solve their data problem. What he did is he created a 3D model that you could spin the spacesuit, not just the helmet, spacesuit around and figure out, um, click on any part of it, do a quick search on anything, and it popped the data up instantly. That's something they didn't have before. Um, by the way, that, that then got picked up by the new spacesuit that they're working on right now. Same exact model. So this model has spread. The next ones that picked it up that heard about it and said, wait, show me the demo, and they, they saw it was the uh, Orion team. So, you know, the Orion spacecraft uh, that's going to go on top of the rocket that'll take us out there, uh, they, they said, we've got tons of data with every part, number, piece, whatever. So if you were to click on a screw on the side of a helmet or any other part, it would give you who created it, uh, manufacturer, um, specs on it, who last touched it, when's it due for maintenance, everything, all in one, one uh, you know, place. So you got a lot of data there. That's a, another problem with data. And uh, he, he and his team solved it. And it's now the, uh, the Johnson Engineering folks are looking at it. Some Marshall Engineering folks are looking at it. The uh, Stennis Space Center down in Mississippi, they saw it and loved it. And um, they're using it for their safety data to be able to make it more accessible and easy to get to and maybe find, wait, wait a minute, these three different unrelated incidents all point to one thing and that's that's what you really want you know you can look at the spacesuit turn it around and and blow it up and find a, a part you're looking for or, or, or something like that so it, it just was a great tool it's a platform uh, we call it insight and and it's just been phenomenal that's that's one instant that's one instance 
An another one that I love to talk about, another uh, use case that we, we've done, is uh, exploration medical capabilities, EXMC. We all call it something a little shorter. We call it doc in a box. So it's a, it's a doctor in a box. Now, you know, you got all that astronaut data. You put that all in there. Then you hook them up with probes and everything. When they're out there, they're, they're usually hooked up with probes anyways. So you take all that data. And then if something happens you, and you're way out in the middle of nowhere, like maybe you're on your way to Mars or your way, your way back or something like that, something happens. You don't have time to try to get a flight surgeon on, on terra firma here to be able to tell those people what to do, especially if it's step by step. This doc in the box can do that kind of thing. And it's an amazing tool. I love to, love to mention it. Uh, another one done out at, uh, with our folks with a different team out at Ames Research Center. So really cool. That's just two of the, the ones I can think of right at the top of my head um, that, that I like to talk about. John, if a program manager or project manager says, hey, I'm in. I want to use this in my program or project. We need to use big data. What are some recommendations that you have for them to get started? I would tell those program managers, by the way, I am a program manager. Um, you know, I got my PMP, Program Management Professional uh, Certification, a while back. They have a hard job. So when it comes to big data, I would tell them, think about data. Where will it be stored? You know, who has access to it? You know, most of the data is um, open, right? Yeah, you, you do it, you play with it, you do your thing with it, and then you turn it in, and then you share it out with the world. Um, some data you can't. Astronaut data, like uh, their, their medical data. If you had enough of that medical data, you could tell which astronaut it is. So that's not fair to them, right? So, you know, you got to be careful of that kind of thing too. You know, who has access? Uh, for contracts, you know, at least think about NASA contracts. Do we have the right clauses in there? Um, we have an internal site that's only internal to NASA that, that folks that at NASA can go to and, and pull the clause that's the, a good one. We think it is. It's like a, like a four-pager. But basically it just says when, when the contract's done, the data is still NASA's data. So th that kind of a thing is very important to get that in there right. I know a lot of the mission, uh, mission folks, when they're doing their contracts, now pull that clause and go use it. I think everybody should use it. The site for the NASA folks is niam.nasa.gov. N-I-A-M.nasa.gov has the, the clause on it. We'll post that link to our podcast page at apple.nasa.gov slash podcast. What are some of the newer trends with big data? And how do you see them impacting NASA? I mentioned more big data is coming. So here's what I mean. A few years ago, we had a pulsed laser beam set a record in data transmission. Uh, it transmitted it over... Uh, almost between here and the moon, uh, 239,000 miles, and it, it actually had a record-breaking rate of 622 megabits per second. So that's a lot. That's a lot of data in a second. And so and it's using, you know, pulse laser lasers to do that. When that happens in the future, and we're starting to use that more, rather than radio waves, which are smaller, a lot, lot slower, less data is transmitted, that's going to be a gigantic influx of data, good data that we really want. Um, so that's going to be a problem. So that's a, a future trend that's going to uh, be great for NASA, but it's also going to be hard because of all the extra data coming. Two other areas that are very similar to that are artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is all about pulling in the data and then doing something with it. 
And machine learning is the same thing. You know, you train the data, you train the, the algorithm on the machine learning, you know, to, you, to pull in that data and then process it. That's, that's a, a trend that's just going crazy right now. Not just at, at NASA, but all across the world. Um, you're starting to see more and more and more uh, companies and agencies and others using artificial intelligence, machine learning. So that's a trend that that's not going to go away. Um, we're getting ready to do a, a course called R Shiny here at um, at NASA headquarters for some of our folks to get them up to speed on one of the one of the tools that's out there, you know, and and it's more or less an open source tool, and we love open source tools as as you might imagine. And that matter of fact, that's another trend that's that's come out that's just in the last five or even ten years has become super popular, you know going and getting that open, the code that's free, uh, that, that then people can go work on and change and make it useful for them, for whatever they're trying to process. And with open source, you're able to leverage the knowledge, skills, and capabilities of a multitude of different people. Yeah, that's taking advantage of citizen science, scientists out there, right? Um, all these folks out there, and maybe uh, one or two of them around the world have a little more time and, and can really delve in deep where others don't have the time and can't do it right now or don't have the skills either um, and be able to help that. That, that reminds me of um, we, uh, in the OCIO, we used to run the, something called the, the International Space, uh, you know, uh, a little competition that was going on. And um, we, we ran it for many years and it uh, just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, one of the quotes a long time ago in the news about it was that it was the biggest collaboration event in the, in the world at that one moment in time. Um, so that International Space Apps Challenge that we have put out, I keep hearing it keeps getting bigger and bigger every year. So I love participating in it, helping it when it comes up every year. And it's really, it's just one weekend a month uh, that you're, you're doing that. And they generate a lot of data. Matter of fact, a lot of uh, companies get created out of that from a group of people that got together, never knew each other before. Some of them are even virtual, and they helped each other all with this project. When they were done, they were like, I don't want this to end. And then they go create a company, and then it, it, it you know, does, does great things with data and creating applications. Could you suggest NASA resources where people can get involved or get more information? So there are a lot of resources. So let me just go through a few that I can think of right now. Um, one is if you're within NASA and you're listening to this, you can uh, join the Big Data Working Group meeting that we have once a month, the second Thursday of every month from 2.30 to, to 4 Eastern time. And we get all the um, subject matter experts in, in with data. And we're, we're talking all over the place too. Data visualization, data analytics, um, anything data that they're, that they're interested in, that, that, those folks come to this group. Um, we have about 160 people, I think, right now that, uh, that come to the meeting. And um, so that's just once a month meeting that we get together and, and talk about data challenges and what's going on and the latest tools. And, and I'm having a problem with this. Well, hey, I, I just solved that problem last week. Here's, here's the solution. So a lot of sharing goes on there. And we do have a once a year meeting where we we've rotate different centers um, we've, we've already gone to Langley and had our annual meeting, big data, big think we call it. And we've gone to Goddard, we've gone to, uh, Johnson, we've gone to, uh, Kennedy. And then this last one, 
Oh, we went to Ames Research Center. We went to JPL. And then this last one, we just went to Glenn Research Center out in Ohio. Phenomenal uh, meeting to have all the experts come together face-to-face where you can really get uh, nitty-gritty with what's going on and what we can work on. As a matter of fact, during that meeting, we came up with a list of here's our challenges that we need to work on. Uh, it was pretty cool. Um, also, below the uh, big data working group, uh, we have two COEs, or communities of interest. One's the artificial intelligence community of interest, and then another is the data management community of interest. So the AI one is ran by James McClellan down at Johnson Space Center, who works for me. And then the other one is uh, Yuri Godwak, uh, who works for Arrow. So he, he runs the, uh, the data analytics one. And, uh, it, you know, they do really phenomenal work. They meet once a month, too. And um, they get a lot of, of really good things done. But those are like splinter groups that go off and do more things. Do you have any closing thoughts? You know, some folks out there might think, oh, it's big data and it's very complex and these tools are really complex and and it's hard. Try it. Get involved. Find the data. There's a bunch of different agencies and companies that share data out there and uh, go play with the tools. You might find that that's your niche. You really love it. And I'll tell you what, um, a lot of different places that I see and deal with are all going towards that. They're all looking for the, the, those kind of skills in people to be able to, to do stuff with the data. And that, that'd be uh, my, my final thought is, you know, get out there and do it. Thanks to John Sprague for sharing his thoughts and expertise on big data. If you're interested in getting involved and want more information, go to apple.nasa.gov podcast. You'll find links to sites and topics mentioned on the show today, along with John's bio and a transcript. NASA relies heavily on big data to help the agency with artificial intelligence, and we'll talk about AI on our next episode. We invite you to join us. And if you haven't already, here's a quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode of Small Steps, Giant Leaps. Thanks for listening.